What's up gamers, it's Tori, and this is Press Start. A few days ago, we said we'd be doing something a little different for our latest episode, and we did. This weekend, we were guests on Asynchronous, a really great video game podcast hosted by our friends AJ and Kim, and we went on to talk about games and other things that aren't games. So thanks so much for waiting an extra few days so we could do something special. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, just wanted to pop in before we get into the actual episode. Uh, For those of you who may have heard us talking about chapter markers for all of these weeks, but your podcast player does not embed them into the show, you can now check the show notes for an entire list of all the chapter markers. So if you want to jump around the show or if you want to avoid spoilers for a part or whatever, uh, that is now available in the show notes. So I just wanted to get out on top because we do eventually start talking about spoilers uh, for a part in Elden Ring later. So if that could be helpful for you, I hope that you take advantage of it. All right. Thank you. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Synchronous, a video game zeitgeist show. My name is AJ. My name is Kim. And I finally got the fucking intro right. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, if you this is your first uh, episode, hello, welcome. Uh, normally, we talk about games that we have not played before that people have told us to play. But now, until the middle of December-ish, uh, we're playing games from this year or games that we have played this year uh, that weren't the main asynchronous stuff. So that, hence the name change. Thank you. I'm glad you get it. As we have on every episode, we got a couple guests on today uh, from the press start podcast we've got noah and tori hey welcome welcome hello. hello i've been trying hard really 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 hard not to like giggle before you said our names oh so that- no <laughs> <laughs> uh, i guess we should have told you beforehand you're allowed to exist before we uh invoke oh, okay. <laughs> Existence. Sorry. We have been existing. <laughs> well, it's too late now. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, both so much for coming on the show. Do you want to give a little pitch for Press Start? We'll talk about it at the end, also. But yeah, Tori, you want to you want to lead the way on that? Yeah, sure. So Press Start is a podcast where two journalists who are not gaming journalists but are journalists who happen to game mm. break down uh, what's going on in the latest news in the gaming world, and then we also talk about what we've been playing. So yeah. it's a mix of that. We also do episodes where we interview people um, and we do episodes where we both play a game and we both talk about it. In the case of Persona 3, that was like 10 episodes. But um, yeah, that's that's what we're about. Nice. Yeah, uh, we've had some fun people in the show too. We've had a couple of, we've had at least one game dev. We've had a couple of games journalists. Yeah. We've had people who are totally outside the realm of games, but are very vocal about how much they love them. And so it's mm-hmm. it's a good time. We've also got right now we're trying to push. We're doing a sign up thing for a mm-hmm. holiday video game gift exchange, which all the details are on our social media and we're on Twitter. And we'll plug the further details at the end and we can put the link in the show notes and stuff perfect perfect yeah so signups for that will be available until pretty shortly after this episode comes out so check that out if that's something you're interested in too cool Thanks. I love that idea so much. I still mm-hmm. need to sign up because yeah. um, <laughs> I have anxiety about like getting someone the perfect game without <laughs> yeah. knowing them. Mm. Understandable. But yeah, I need to dive in. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. Yeah. And yeah, just love, love your show. Um, Thank, you. I, Thank you. I went through like a phase where I was like, all of my gaming podcasts are like two to four white dudes 
from like Gen X or or millennial generation, like mm -hmm. talking about video games. I was like, I just I I need something fresh. I need something new. And yeah. um, AJ was like, you should check out Press Start. And I just <laughs> like fell in love immediately. The premier um, Gen Z gaming podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's that's part of why we we started the show, too, was we well, one, it was to keep up with each other since we went to college together and like mm -hmm. we're constantly talking about video games. But it was also like most of the shows we both listen to are very similar, like not exclusively, but people who are from a couple generations older than us. So they have mm -hmm. a very I feel like there's a very typical group of stuff you grew up with if you're mm. big into that era of games media like you grew up with the nes or the super nintendo yeah, the and original then... zelda yeah. exactly right. yeah so it's i find that tori and i and a lot of the guests we have on the show and even you guys too have like a totally different set of texts and things that we're pulling from that were really influential when we were younger and getting into this space so it's it's really cool i really enjoy talking about this kind of stuff yeah, I it was kind of a funny idea. I remember so I graduated from college last year and Noah and I communicate mostly through Twitter DM. Like we just send each other like memes and, and stuff. Beautiful. And I remember at one point I looked at our entire conversation over the past two weeks and we had exclusively talked about video games. <laughs> and I at the time was interning at NPR and I was like, what if we made a video game podcast yeah. and we made it and I like lost I lost the audio files for no. it. No. And then I and then I broke my leg and so then just like months <laughs> went by. And Noah and I Noah's like, what if we what if we still did that? I'm still into that. And I was yeah. like, Yeah, let's do it. Now that you can it. go was... to the upstairs part of your house, what if we still do that? <laughs> yes, yo, because I was on crutches and I live oh in a townhome that has oh, two flights oh, of Jesus. stairs. So I was yeah. like scooting my butt up and down the stairs and like oh, no. sleeping on my God. couch for two months. I think it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, All right, all right, we we got it. We got it. <laughs> and this is October of last year. Yeah. So Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that the universe didn't conspire to prevent you from starting this podcast <laughs> yeah. it sounds like it tried. almost did it tried yeah. <laughs> um, well press starts a great show uh and like i said links will be in the show notes but we will also plug it again at the end of the show um but before we get into talking about the games kim you've got some horseshit for us this week uh provided <laughs> provided by matt horton from last week right yes yeah. yeah so um just to catch folks up if they didn't listen to last week's episode i put aj and our guest matt horton through <laughs> a, a rigorous horse facts quiz yeah and the winner was uh <laughs> given the prize of choosing the bullshit for this week yeah and matt won and came up with a great idea just to take a, a step further back the horse shit uh exists because i have been playing horse tales emerald valley ranch um widely anticipated to be perhaps the best horse game in existence mm -hmm. I, can I, I can't wow. can i just say that yeah. emerald valley ranch sounds a little too similar to like hidden yes. valley ranch it like does. A, yes. the food item. Yes. it absolutely does and i slip up on it all the time yeah before we launch into the fully unhinged part of this i would like to say i did play more horse tales this week unfortunately i have encountered uh what the kids like to call a game breaking bug oh no oh, oh no <laughs> you mean to tell um, me that the horse video game has a game breaking bug. <laughs> I I know, I was shocked too. Um but there is there's to advance the main quest, you have to 
beat someone's because there's there's racing in the game. That's one of the many horse mechanics that in, that are involved. And um, in order to advance the game, you have to beat someone's high score at a particular race. Um, but there is a bug that prevents you from being able to do that. And I have encountered that bug. Um, apparently, they've patched it for the PC version, but not okay. yet for console. And I'm okay. playing it on Switch. Aww. So um, I'm, I'm fucked, I guess. But um, I did do like more exploration in the game. And that is like incredible. The, I found this like big like gorge area like it looks like the grand canyon basically oh. and you can like ride your horse through it it's incredible and it looks great i have to tell you as someone who played pokemon violet this week uh-oh i think horse tails looks better uh -oh. <laughs> oh no i mean what what performance is better though like what, which one has less game breaking I, issues oh. i would say i would say general performance probably on par oh my god obviously wow. i haven't wow. i haven't encountered any game breaking performance yet in uh pokemon violet though so i guess uh, you know congratulations to pokemon on that but um does horse tales take place in like a fictional world yeah i mean it's it does take place in a fictional em emerald valley which is like a sort of like plateau or peninsula or something i don't figure out what they call it um but yeah, you you go and you um, it, it's very like Stardew, but for a horse ranch. So it's like okay. your your aunt has like let this this ranch like fall into disrepair, and you're okay. fixing it and finding horses. You can breed horses, which is a weird mechanic that I haven't engaged with yet. Still, still, um, you gotta clean your horse. You gotta you know feed them, find out where they like to be pet, which is a whole thing. So. It's it's a very it's like it's fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've said on past episodes, it is they've allocated their resources well for a game that was clearly like on a budget. And it is apparent in just the design of the world, which is honestly beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'll share some screenshots. I, they're on my <laughs> yeah, switch please. downstairs. But yeah, um, I was curious. <laughs> I was curious if it took place in like a real world or like a fictional universe, because you said I found this area like the Grand Canyon. And I was oh. like, well, does it like is it? Arizona, Nevada? Like, are you? <laughs> is it the Great Canyon? No, <laughs> no. It's it's a fictional world, but it is like like grounded. Like, I haven't found anything. No magic yet. No, not yet. Although there are like ruins and like weird statues around, so I wouldn't be surprised if it takes like <laughs> that shit. kind of turn. We have those IRL too. To be fair, though, <laughs> that's <laughs> we true. Do have that's ruins. true. It's a very good point. Um. <laughs> So, uh, as I mentioned, Matt got to pick the bullshit last week, and his request was that I talk more about something I've been very passionate about on social media, which uh, is Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time, Yeah, <laughs> which ties in very well with something we'll be talking about yeah. later in this episode. Yeah. But um, so what I'd like to talk about today is which Carly Rae Jepsen songs from The Loneliest Time would be best in a uh, dressage routine wow um, so holy shit for those unaware according to dressagewritertraining.com great dressage is a way of training and riding your horse the word is uh derived from the french 
dressira, meaning to train. And it is described as being like ballet on horseback. The horse and rider are working together to perform movements, mm. quote, that seem effortless and flow gracefully from one to the next. Great. Hmm. <laughs> this form of riding takes a high level of athleticism and good communication between horse and rider. So when it comes to choosing dressage music, mm. the advice that I found online included the following. First, toe tapping music is great for freestyles. The music should also match the mood of the horse and rider pair. For example, cute Disney type music is suitable for a pony or a petite young rider, but is inappropriate for a large and powerful warm blood. Okay. (laughs) When you find the right music, you can feel that your horse moves better with the music than without. The horse tells you when he moves with more expression that he enjoys dancing to that particular kind of music. (laughs) Okay. Does he? I don't know. Yeah, does he really? <laughs> Remains to be seen, as I have never actually done dressage. Mm. Uh, and finally, they also recommend the, there are different gates for the horse. There's the trot, there's the canter, there's a the walk, and there's some other ones that we'll talk about. You know, so you'll have musical transitions for each because they're they're at different cadences. But the music should blend cohesively, and they recommended music by the same artist or group. And so oh. I think we're on the right track here. Right, yeah. Drawing from not only one artist, but one album. I think it's going to be very cohesive. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, tempo, very important. The tempo for each gate varies depending on the horse. Um, and you can measure it different ways. You can count the beat every time the leading front hoof touches the ground or every time both front hooves touch the ground. For example, the walk can be anywhere between 50 to 65 beats per minute sure. or 100 to whatever double 65 is, um, 130 beats per minute <laughs> <Okay>. um, will <laughs> also work. No, you look like you had a question. No, I'm just I'm just having a hard time taking all of this in. This is making me second guess <laughs> every interaction I've ever seen another human being have with a horse. <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. think I didn't think any one human being had this much agency over actions horses did dressage is like if a feeder kid and a horse girl had a baby (laughs) yeah there's a very good description here yeah yeah i the thing that i was really struck by is like this is not like oh you know like dressage is like now in the olympics and it is clear now to me this is not a situation where like you the rider are training and you just grab a horse and go like this is we're both we're both in this rider and horse um and it's very important you know to have like a good relationship with the horse somehow so to to move to the main dish here i have divided up songs based on their their bpm by which uh gate they would be most appropriate for and then within there i have ranked the songs by which what i think would be the best for that particular gate are we all familiar with the loneliest time this album yeah yeah yeah. maybe maybe not like i haven't listened to a whole lot of it but i'm down i've I've given it a good comprehensive listen but i'm not sure how up on all the track names i am but Mm -hmm. i i know i i got a i got a good idea in my head of what we're working with sure uh aj will be oh yeah we'll we'll be (laughs) putting putting clips clips. yeah 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 okay great that's fair yeah so at least this will make sense uh, uh on the back end good good okay so we're gonna start with the walk now the walk they recommend between 50 to 65 beats per minute 
So uh, I have four songs in this category. At the bottom, I think the unfortunately the worst song for for really any dressage routine is "Go Find Yourself" or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sixty-eight beats per minute, beautiful ballad. Yeah, and honestly, okay for a walk. It's a little bit fast, but still kind of like in range. But it's just not upbeat enough. Like they yeah. said, we want to be tapping our toes, and I, I'm crying when I hear this song. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not tapping anything. If anything, it gives you like a nice sway back and forth. That's kind of mm-hmm. that's it. Tell me that your mind's been changing. I tell you that I'm no good at I think just not not peppy enough. Um, next up, we have Benz uh, yeah. coming in at 116 beats per minute. Uh, this this would be like a double time situation. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an awkward tempo. It falls into the tempo of a walk at double time, but it feels a little too fast. It's also it's a very bittersweet song. Mm. And I think, again, we just want something a little bit more fun, even for the walk. Yeah, I will say this is low key. I think one of the best Carly Rae Jepsen songs of all time. (laughs) It's a really good one. It's good. Yeah, it's very good. I also feel like this one's got like a pretty solid, uh, like synthesized drum machine snare sound to it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like you got a good you got a good solid walking type beat. Mm -hmm. Sunshine somewhere in Mexico. Next up, uh, coming in at second place, Joshua Tree. This is coming in at 101 beats per minute, and it has some attitude. Yes. I just, I, I love the idea of a horse strutting to this song. I'm um, never going to be able to listen to this album ever again in my life. You're welcome. I need to look up a video of what a horse strutting looks like. Like, I, I need to, because I, the visual I have in my head is like a horse tap dancing right now. And I, that can't be right. I, I think of all it's videos I've wrong. seen of dressage, they all, they do move in like a very specific yeah. way where they'll like lift yeah. a leg up as they're tapping. So it is kind of so, you know what what you are describing aj is uh, another gate that um oh. i have yet to describe oh um oh. but i should have it's called the the passage or the pee off i forget one of those is this okay. they're like basically the same thing but one is in place and one is moving mm. and that's like when it looks like the horse is like prancing mm-hmm that's what that is. Oh, it's doing a little hoppity hop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, oh my God, I'm, sending, I'm sending gifts in the chat currently. <laughs> Just oh, in the Discord gift search. Yeah. What happens if like the horse doesn't want to do it? Like, what if their vibes are just off that day? Uh, like probably something awful. Yeah, yeah you probably just, something you get terrible. A bad score. I remember when I was doing research for this, and I did a lot of research for this. I love this. I searched on YouTube like dressage videos or whatever, um, and there was one that was like dressage fail horse doesn't cooperate oh, no. or something like that epic fail compilations <laughs> wow i love that there is there is a dressage fails comp i wow. uh, here let me just so for context here noah just sent in a gif of a donkey from shrek but in his like horse form yes not yeah that looks like dressage that's like dressage dressage this is from a youtube channel called horse x fails 
I have to tell you, I'm like looking at the video right now. Yeah. And I, oh, okay. That seems like a fail. But some of it, I'm like, is this, where's the part where the horse is failing? (laughs) Um, In any event. Oh my God. uh, (laughs) (laughs) 10 minutes. Anyway. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, just so we know what we're working with here. Um, But the walk is very much like it is just a horse walking. Like it's, it's not, it's nothing fancy, not like the Passage and Piaf. But our number one. Can I guess this? Yeah. Sorry. Is it Surrender My Heart? No. No? No. Surrender My Heart is a little. A little too fast. A little too fast. Although it could, it could work. It could work. But I, um, I actually have it under the canter which oh. we'll get to yeah <laughs> but um the number one song uh is so nice uh, at 103 beats per minute it is a very sweet song and yeah. it's all about how nice and sweet and honest carly ray jepson's boyfriend is, <laughs> is um i sing this song to my dog a lot oh my god and he loves yeah. it so i just feel like if i sang it to a horse it would get the horse really gassed up and yeah. i think that that would carry over into the dressage routine yeah you're just telling them they're so nice incredibly honest mm-hmm. <laughs> polite <laughs> so nice so nice on now to the trot yes the trot is recommended to be between 75 to 90 beats per minute or double time um i will tell you right now there is not a song on this album that's fast enough yeah um, to be to be in double time for the trot um yeah, so we, we, you would need like a john phillips so we should do like, a, or like a tiktok like sped up chipmunk version yeah, yes. there you go. There you go. <laughs> that could work and i have to imagine that some uh some like dressage artists do that um when choosing their music um in this case we're we're starting uh, again there are four songs in this one mm-hmm. the first song that works but that i think is like the least desirable is uh this is actually a bonus track coming mm-hmm. in at 75 beats per minute no thinking over the weekend mm-hmm. i adore this song i think it's great i think it would be beautiful set to a trot yeah but it is on the slow end um mm-hmm. they say that the larger the horse <clears throat> the slower it's it's cadence it's i'm always gates. saying this i'm always saying this i'm gonna um, start saying this now just a random conversation you know what they say i'm gonna stuck in traffic i'll be like the larger the horse the, the slower larger the, the cadence <laughs> everyone knows um so this this would be appropriate for a larger horse but sure. if you were to if you were riding a pony or something uh, you know they would be closer to that 90 beats per minute <laughs> so it wouldn't be appropriate Coming up next, we have Sideways, 86 beats per minute, sort of more in the middle. I hate to put this song so low because I love it a lot. Definitely a trot song, but just not the strongest trot song that we have. Yeah, it's very like bass driven, which is just kind of which Mm -hmm. is it's nice to listen to. But when you're watching a horse do it, it makes the horse seem heavy, you know? Yeah, true. I f- that's, that's so, so true. That's so thank, true. You for, thank you for agreeing that's with so me. so true, now. AJ. Yeah. <laughs> 
We were all thinking it. Many people are saying. Next up, getting more towards what I think would be a fantastic trot song, we have Far Away. Mm-hmm. 91 beats per minute, so it's a bit fast. But I love the yearning in this mm. song. Yearning goes hand in hand with horses for me. And so I, I think that it would <laughs> it would just work so well. The, the thing about this song, too, is like uh, to speak more to the yearning is like it's all about like you're waiting for someone to say I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she's saying not far away from that conversation. I just I'm always waiting for a horse to tell me they love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their their actions, mm-hmm. you know, so it's true, bestie. Number one trot song, and I think this is a real fucking winner. It is a little fast at 90 beats per minute, but what else could be in this spot but Western Wind? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. When I when I hear this song, even separate from from this exercise, I listen to this song and envision wild Mustangs galloping through a field. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the natural, the natural progression um so i think it's perfect it is freeing it is resplendent the horse is having a good time i'm having a good time i think this is the clear winner in the trot category yeah that's nice Kim, can I can I back up for a second before we get mm-hmm. out of here? Uh, how where did you find the BPM for all these songs, or did you personally like stick it on the metronome? <laughs> um, I found a website that will tell you the BPM for gotcha. like random popular songs on Spotify. Got it. But I did check it myself <laughs> okay. to make oh, sure wow. it was that. We've got primary sources. Yeah, Kim is out here with a metronome. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did have a mental image of you sitting there with a metronome, like listening to each of these songs and like ticking it up mm-hmm. by three and then kind of listening. You're like, no, it's not quite right. And then ticking it back to uh, I found another website where you tap the space bar in time with the music and it will tell you what the, the BPM wow. is. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. The internet's so wow. full of treats and interesting tools. <laughs> It sure is. I I will also tell you, um, I was in the midst of doing this yesterday and my best friend texted me and was like, hey, what are you up to? <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, and you what said, did you say? You panicked. Uh, you were like, I'm believe- watching porn. I'm watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I told her that's the funniest question you could possibly ask me right now. <laughs> Incredible. Did you go and explain what you were doing? Um, you just leave it at I, that. I told her I'm doing research for this week's bullshit. Right. Let's just say I'm learning a lot about dressage. <laughs> okay. And I left it at that because, wow. you know, you got to leave some mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. Let me see. I swear we're almost done. And by that, I mean, we're halfway through. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't play your whole your whole hand there, your whole hoof, if you will. There you <laughs> go. Whole, there you go. That was good. Play the whole hoof. That was good, dude. People are always saying that too. Um, so next up, we have the canter. This is the fastest gate between 95 to 110 beats per minute this is we're getting into some good shit mm. so coming in in uh, fourth place is keep away 104 beats per minute good for a canter uh, in terms of bpm but low energy mm. we need something peppier yeah Next up, uh, anxious. 115 beats per minute, a little bit too fast. Yeah. Um, and moreover, I don't like the message. I don't want the horse to be anxious. I don't want to be anxious. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that it's a good pick. Number three, also a little bit fast, uh, Shooting Star, 113 beats per minute, exquisite disco vibes on this song, which to me, I I would love that like vibe for for the routine. But um, yeah, just a little bit on the fast side. Mm. God, yeah, this song and then like some of the other disco-y ones on this album. And I'm imagining you got like glittery boots on or something like Mm -hmm. that'd be immaculate vibes for this this routine. Yeah. Both of us, me and the horse, decked out in our our disco best. Yes. Oh, my God. Number one on the Cantor list, Surrender My Heart at 108 beats per minute. This is it. Imagine riding off into the sunset to this song. It's perfect. Surrender your heart to the horse. (laughs) Surrender your heart to the horse. That sounds like a a weird kind of sacrificial thing. Um, We will be getting to Kingdom Hearts later. That sounds like... (laughs) (laughs) Sacrifice your heart to the horse sounds like the name of your routine. Like... And, oh my gosh! <laughs> I just, I just want to be clear. It's not sacrifice. Surrender. Yeah. Surrender. But I apologize. You know, but you know, same, same not, idea. Basically, I, you're I not guess. far off. And finally, we have the Passage slash Piaf, as I mentioned. This is like a, con- it's described as a controlled, I think the word that someone used was elevated trot. Um, okay. So it, it is very much, there's like su- suspension, they say, where like the horse is like 
freezing in between the beats and it looks like they're prancing and it's beautiful. This is recommended to be between 60 to 65 beats per minute. I'm doing everything in double time because I simply don't have any songs uh, that fit into that. Mm -hmm. So again, four songs in fourth place, unfortunately, is the title track Loneliest Time. It's at 123 beats per minute. And again, great disco vibes but not enough hour attitude this is big prancing Mm. hours and Mm. prancing hours is no time to be sincere the song is very sincere yeah yeah um we we need attitude and so as much as i love this song which features rufus brain right for some reason and is very popular on tiktok he kind of ate with this one but i don't know what he's doing there I'm imagining now a dressage routine that starts with Hall- with Rufus Wainwright's Hallelujah and ends with The Loneliest Time. <laughs> Someone's got to make that mashup happen. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about a dressage routine that's just Shrek songs. Yeah, there you go. Can you there imagine you All Star? And I saw your face. Yeah. That would that would fuck. That's that's trot level, right? Like it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. Probably. I'd have Probably. to look up the BPM to be sure, but that's, that's got to be a trotter. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> we have the technology. Next up uh, in third place, talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. 124 beats per minute. This is the attitude that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are two even better options. Um, okay. But this song, the song is so good. Yeah. This was the f- the second single, I think, off the album. Uh, no, I think it was Western Wind and then beach house i think oh yeah third then that sounds i don't right. know that sounds right it's a good one yeah Speaking of Beach House, <laughs> that one's next up. Yeah, okay. 118 beats per minute. I was waiting for it. One of my favorites off the album. Um, a there was a hit. weird thing. Yeah, a sleeper hit. Because both we both heard this song when it was just a single and we were like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow in the context of the album, it becomes the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> we're like, I will I will wake up on like a shitty morning and listen to this song five times and be ready to start my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the cheeky attitude of it is perfect for the passage and pee off. Um, yes. I, I like listen to this song and tell me you don't feel like prancing. I dare yeah, you. That's true. That's, that's true. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, the number one song for the Passage and Pee Off, notwithstanding, it's uh, maybe, no, it's not on the fast side. It's perfect. Um, Bad Thing Twice. I knew it. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That song fucking rules. I think a set with this song ends so nice 
would be just killer. Mm. You have like the sweet and the sour vibes. This so nice <laughs> angel on your shoulder, mm-hmm. bad thing twice, mm-hmm. devil on your shoulder, <laughs> um, prancing. It's just, I, I, if you do dressage, if someone listening to this does dressage, please do this routine and send me a video and I will send you 100 American dollars. Yeah, you really have to commit to the bit for this one, so... <laughs> Can we, quick lightning round, what's the funniest album without thinking hard that you could possibly set a dressage routine to? Uh, my, Probably a Ween album. Yeah, my my immediate pick is either a Dope Smoker by Sleep or uh, Ex-Military by Death Grips. <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. Uh, I'm just intentionally imagining like the worst album maybe also to listen to is just like something by Mersbo or something that is just literally just noise and like metal scraping sounds. Uh, I'll be I'll be well, doing yeah. uh, my my dressage with my cyber horse. <laughs> <laughs> I think the important thing is that it has to have a beat. So I think mm. something just like ambient and and yeah, tuneless and beatless would be a fucking nightmare, and yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Brian Eno's music for airports featuring my horse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, anyway, thank you all for joining me on this journey, and I'm yeah. so sorry wonderful. about this it. This is wonderful. <laughs> this is great. I <laughs> thirty minutes. I've learned so much. I learned so much. This the amount great. of extraneous work you put in to be able to put this together is so yeah, admirable. Kim, for real, thank you so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. I live to please. Uh, this is what video games are all about. Uh, yes, That's so true. This is actually. what video games are all about. <laughs> Moving on now from dressage to I don't know. There's a horse in it. We're I'm going to talk about Elden Ring for a little bit. Yeah, more uh, worship. Yeah, so I picked up Elden Ring when it came out. Uh, my partner very generously bought it for me, uh, just because I said I wanted it, and she sh- bought it for me while I was recording a podcast or something. I was like, "Wow, thank you so much." And then, like two weeks later, was like, "I hate this game. I wish you would stop playing." It's just because you know you watch some. I, I, the Souls games are very specific vibes of like bumping your head up against something over and over again until you get it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not a good she, spectator sport. She just, yeah, she just kept seeing me like against this one guy with a spear or whatever, or like uh, the tree sentinel that you see in the very beginning, and just getting my ass kicked over and over and over again. I'm like, why are you doing this? But anyway, so I played Elden Ring for a bit. Uh, I got pretty far ish. I got stuck on one of the bosses, and I, actually, Noah, you have beaten elden ring and tori no. has I tori have you have beaten Mel- ah. okay okay i did Ultimate noah gamer. stopped around radon i got past radon eventually i made it yeah. to i'm a, i think i'm around like a little over the halfway point because i made it to Landell. and then next i made it to an area where i could totally respect my character i totally respect i put the game down for a week i picked it back up and i was like i don't know what i'm doing here i felt like <laughs> i felt like i had somehow managed to start a new game but also everybody wanted to kill me and i didn't even know like what sword i was using so nice yeah i kind of fell out i want to get back in but i completely fell out yeah it's i will say it is 
kind of hard to get back in, uh, especially if like my lull was like six months or something. Like I stopped yeah. playing at like the end of April and then picked it back up two weeks ago. Did you start but, a new game or did you jump? N- no, back in? I didn't. I, I just picked it right back up because I was I, I stopped at Radon. Okay. Um, like I stopped the main plot at Radon, went and did a bunch of side stuff because I did Radon like a, a dozen times. I was like, this yeah. isn't fun. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm going to go do something else. Did a whole bunch of shit, like just like got really leveled and figured out how to play the game and stuff. Went back to Radon, still got my ass kicked. But I had the uh, frenzied flame spell or whatever that you just shoot a big laser from your forehead mm-hmm. and you can st- it has crazy distance. So you can stand really far away. <laughs> so in the Radon. What is your build? Uh, I'm faith strength, faith strength. Okay. Yeah. yeah as you said, you're shooting lasers. I was like, okay, faith. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a bunch of friends who did, uh, they went like int decks or just like mm-hmm. full strength or whatever. And I was like, I'll do faith. Nobody's doing faith. And you get a big fireball in the beginning. So I was like, fuck yeah. That's but I started out as the, as the wretch. So all my stats were 10 so that when I respec over and over again, I, Everything starts at the same uh, the same number, so it's easier to respond. Yeah, thank you into the aether for that. Uh, the episode yeah. consider the wretch uh, is, a, is, a, is a great <laughs> a great one for that. But uh, yeah, so um, eventually beat Radon. I think I picked it up, beat Radon, and then stopped again, <laughs> and then picked it back up two weeks ago, uh, and am now I've made it to Landell. I've beat the bosses in Landell. I made it to the throne, and then did the stuff that you have to do after that uh in the mountains um fought the giant and i was oh okay you're far yeah i was stuck you're fighting the giant yeah i was stuck on the giant for an entire day a whole ass day (laughs) not like actively playing it but like i played for like a full two hours didn't beat the giant put it down picked it up the next day played for another couple hours still couldn't beat the giant went and did some okay can i ask a question yes do you use summons uh yes but i didn't like i i wouldn't summon the jellyfish until the second half of the giant fight okay i know there's apparently one that's like really good for yeah i i used a absolutely game busting summon for basically every like from the giant onward yeah and it was black knife the black knife yeah that's what i've heard is is, is that's really yeah. really good in my in my research for for how to beat the fire giant <laughs> They're like yeah get this and i was like i'm not gonna do that um but uh i have um a bunch of the dragon incantations oh cool so i got the scarlet rock oh one, cool which absolutely fucks um i have used that on every single boss like since uh since landell i think that's like how i have been beating bosses so i've beat like half a dozen bosses just walking up to them infecting them with scarlet rot and then running away uh and keeping them distracted by like you know a summons or whatever and they will just die on their own Um, oh interesting yeah i i would love to see how you go toe-to-toe with melania because i believe Mm. she's rot immune yeah yeah makes sense lore wise Um, yeah but she but she does bleed mm. like I use the I was a samurai. So the blood katana. Yeah. Very rivers helpful. of blood and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've I've heard. Like I, I'm considering going up against millennia, but I don't know <laughs> because uh, from the videos I've seen, she just moves so fast and my build is not very fast. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But I, at this point, I'm just trying to get to the end before what? December 17th when Into the Aether is coming and recording the Game of the Year episode of my house because I want to be able to have a real <laughs> full, a fully fleshed opinion about Elden Ring. Yeah. Because um, for a while it was like I'm actually not having fun playing this game. Um, so I'm done playing it. But now that I've picked it back up, I am having fun. But I'm also still having not as much fun as I could be, I think. 
what is the experience like playing it now when kind of the the community surrounding it, which I'm sure is still plentiful, but mm. it, it feels like there was a minute on social media there, and that was part of what I was having so much fun with it, where like mm. everyone was playing it. I could yeah. hop on I could hop on Twitter and tweet like, man, fuck Godric, and ninety people would also comment <laughs> under that. <laughs> right. Oh my god, yeah. Like it seemed like everyone was talking about it. Like or do you feel like you're missing something not experiencing it alongside so many people or um no i wouldn't say so i'm I'm usually a person who like really loves the community aspect of video games um mm-hmm. like for a while that was how like all my siblings are 8 10 and 12 years older than me so for a while yeah. the way i experienced video games was to just sit next to them and watch them play sonic 2 for the hundredth time mm-hmm. and like that's what i love about video games is just like seeing mm-hmm. people interact with whatever but no i'm not like a super active person online like i am online but I would never usually tweet like, man, fuck Godric. Like I, I, I just like don't I don't tweet thoughts, I guess, <laughs> for some reason, uh, I guess because I have I'm in like half a dozen pretty active discord servers where I can just like reach out to an actual person that I really actually know and be like, hey, Godric fucking sucks. And then we can talk about it. Even doors from Elden Ring. That's probably a way healthier way to be operating on a daily basis. <laughs> for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My, my Twitter and stuff is like 98 percent retweets. And then the other 2% is me retweeting the shows that I work on. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's like, that's like all I, I really interact with on Twitter. Um, but, but I would say the community stuff that I really latched onto with Elden Ring, which actually kind of, I guess, tided me over between, you know, in my breaks was the YouTube community. I, you know, I mean, Vati Vidya is like the biggest souls YouTuber um, to exist and he's constantly doing lore stuff and, you know, he's got stuff for every single game. I think Dark Souls 2 had just come out when he started making videos. So he's been doing it for a really long time and and his videos are great. They're, they're really insightful and his like voice actual voice and voice like the written voice is really good yeah um i think for for those kind of videos um there's also a, just a bunch of other random like elden ring specific youtubers that i have found that i've like just been like tuning into on and off for the last six months or so so i would say the community cool. aspect of it is like just like seeing other people interact with the game or like watching people just like do bosses really quick or something like i'm a pretty uh i call myself a spoiler agnostic person so i'm not like i don't really care if stuff gets spoiled it's not gonna like ruin the experience for me uh stuff like that but i feel like with elden ring a lot of the game is like seeing something for the first time and being like oh my god um like the fire giant's second phase is like wild and i knew it happened um and so like when it when it happened on my you know when i watched it happen i was like oh this is cool but i also did the volcano manor which has a two-phase boss fight uh at the very end that's fucking sick i knew nothing about anything of the the end game of the volcano manor quest line and it fucking rules uh so if you're if you're playing go do the volcano matter stuff uh because it is sick as shit and it does something that is it it does something that the rest of the game does not even ever hint at like thinking about doing like do you mind if i if i if i spoil a bit okay um so the volcano manor thing is like you're there's a guy named rykard praetor rykard who was a demigod or something or whatever was on like the royal council and then was like oh i'm actually just gonna merge with this giant snake and eat all the gods that's gonna be my thing is i'm just gonna try and kill everyone to get their power or whatever and so at the end he he supposedly merged with like the serpent god and so you 
fight this giant serpent. It's fucking sick. But while you're exploring the Volcano Manor, you find these texts of like, oh, well, Praetor Rykard got power hungry. And so we, his like, you know, underlings or whatever, created this weapon to try to kill him because mm. he's, you know, whatever, he's going to destroy the world or something. So when you show up into that arena, the first thing you do is you see a corpse holding this giant spear and then Whoa. you take the spear and you equip it. And it's like, yeah, this is just like kind of a regular spear. But if you're fighting the serpent God, it's been tailor made to turn into like this sword of light or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, that's so that cool. fight is so sick, dude. It's so sick. It's, it's so, so sick. fucking cool. So you're, you're fighting this giant thing, but you have this sword that creates or this this spear that creates giant beams of light. And f- first of all, I was using mimic tier again this so there's just two giant beams of light uh slicing into this this thing but then so after you beat down the the serpent god it like flips over and the underside of the neck under its head is praetor rykard's face it's just a dude's face and he's like i merged with the serpent god let me eat you and we could eat the gods together uh and then you just continue the fight and there's it's the same you know it's the same bit with the giant beam of light and stuff but it's just so awesome that like they give you this weapon and they they kind of turn the whole game on its head because it doesn't really matter what your build is like the the weapon is a strength based weapon so if you have higher Mm. strength it's going to do more damage and stuff but like the weapon is tailor-made to do damage to the serpent god so it's like you're going to be doing, you know, a decent chunk of damage every time you hit it. And it's just like so much fun. And like I had to do that fight like maybe a dozen times uh, before I finally got it, um, which I would say is on the low end usually. Yeah. And it, I, every single time I went back, I was like, this is so much fun. This is the most fun I've had playing this game. And I probably won't have this much fun for the rest of the game because every other boss fight is just like different variations on like, here's another dude. Figure out what they can do so you know how to yeah. dodge roll out of the way on time, which is like fine a lot of the time until you start doing it, you know, 20, 30, 40 times. And it's like, OK, yeah. I am like, what am I doing wrong? And you have to like figure it out yourself, which is like, I guess a whole nother aspect of the game and whatever. But the Volcano Manor Rykard fight is just so fucking sick. There's a there's a boss fight that's sort of like that in Dark Souls 3. It's like mm-hmm. not. Have you played Dark Souls 3 or? No, I, I really I played a bit of Bloodborne and then okay. played Dark Souls when it was just released on the PC um, gotcha. a while ago. But I, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with the franchise, like playing it. There's a there's a fight in three. I don't remember all the specifics of it or the lore specifics, but there's a boss that he's like this huge fucking dude. And you're like mm-hmm. ramming your head up against him, ramming your head up against him. But there is actually a sword item that has a special ability that does a ridiculous amount of damage out of his health. Mm. And it's it's like the most like Zelda any of those games had ever felt to me when I was mm. playing it in a boss fight. And I remember just being like, because I couldn't figure it out. I was like beating my head up against this boss and I Googled like this boss strats and they were like, okay, well, here's an easy cheese and there's lower reasons for it. Go find this sword. And yeah. I was like blown away by it. it made me think so much of like like a Zelda boss fight where like mm-hmm. rather than trying to figure out how to what the guy can do and then dodge rolling out of the way, it was like, which of my items can I use in a creative way to create an yeah. opening for me? Or in this case, just like temporarily stun him and take out a shitload of his HP. And mm. there was lore reasons for it. It wasn't just like a yeah. bug in the game or anything. And I was like <laughs> blown away by how cool that was. Yeah, that that's fucking sick. But so, yeah, I, I like I'm having a much better time with it than I was when I took my break originally. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like Tunic did a lot of what I'm enjoying in Elden Ring. Tunic did it 
way better yeah because i'm enjoying the like discovery parts of elden ring and less so the combat parts and so when they give me this they kind of combine it with like oh you discovered this magic weapon that does a shitload of damage i was like this is this is the perfect intersection this whole game should be like this and i get why the whole game isn't like that because if every single boss just gave you a special weapon to do the thing then like you just said no it's just zelda um which you know i think has its merits but it's just it was just a totally different vibe that i've never seen in a in a, in a souls game before but um mm-hmm. tori what was your your experience with like finishing elden ring like like did you yeah it was really fucking hard yeah. <laughs> um it was really fucking hard uh i'm super glad i had black knife because frankly i don't know if i would have done it mm. without black knife um, that's why, like, I endorse Black Knife very, very highly. Okay. Black Knife is your cool friend you summon to help you out, right? Yeah. 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 Girl boss. Girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I probably would have been able to take out um, the giant without her, but Melania and the final boss. Mm. I'm not going to spoil bosses, honestly. Mm. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Melania took me about a week. Mm. A week. Oh my god. Of, like, banging my head against the wall yeah i think it was like a three-day weekend that i beat her on <laughs> wow Shit. it was like pre- like i don't even wow. know what day it was yeah um but it was really really hard mm-hmm. and then elden beast mm-hmm. took me a really long time as well mm-hmm. i remember the day that i beat elden ring because there's tech there's like two bosses towards the end mm-hmm. and the first phase is very easy i wouldn't even bring out my summon for that phase mm-hmm. The second phase was very hard. And I remember I got to the point where I had like almost no hit the first phase. Mm-hmm. I got like really good at it. Wow. I was trying to save all of my everything for the second phase. And there was the day I beat it. I remember very clearly because I logged out of work an hour early. I logged out of work <laughs> at 4 p.m. <laughs> and from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Oh, my God. I played. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And I like told I told my husband like ordered pizza (laughs) like i am not doing shit tonight this is what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and i also told them if i beat this game before midnight like we're going out for ice cream yeah and so i gave myself a hard time limit i'm like i have seven hours to make this happen jesus christ yeah it was relentless i had such a terrible headache after i had like an elm ring hangover yeah it's bad oh my god i don't recommend this method but i did get ice cream afterwards congrats a well-earned reward but yeah it was was, yeah i felt like i had a baby or something that shit was crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't do it like me like give yourself rest yeah yeah Yeah, that's what like my my times i usually just play a bit after work and then like i don't know if i'm if if i'm bumping my head up against something for so long i was telling my partner last night uh that like i think my threshold is like way lower than a lot of other people's who play these games um because like by the time I beat the Friar Giant, I was like, I'm not having fun. I'm just trying to kill this guy. And that like, I think like a dozen is like my number where I'm like, OK, I like I would like to be done now. And I think mm-hmm. I probably did that maybe twice or three times that amount for the Fire Giant. Um, so I was just like for a while, just bumping my head against this giant man and his giant chest face. Um, God. Yeah. But anyway, Elden Ring is a pretty good game surprising no one <laughs> but uh i didn't intend to talk about it for this long so let's uh move on quickly to uh everybody's favorite <laughs> alternate reality game goncharov the 1973 film by uh martin scorsese that does not exist um 
what are what's y'all's experience with with Goncharov? When did you when did you when did you hop on this? Uh, when did you first get gaunched? When did you get gaunched first? So I I got gaunched. I think not super early on, but fairly early on on Twitter. Mm. I think the first person I saw retweeting gaunch content was Gita Jackson, mm. and uh, I saw like the original shoes post. Yes, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And then all of a sudden, it was everywhere. Yeah, and it was glorious. Uh, I just I love only Tumblr could do something like this. Yes. Um, for the, I guess we should explain for those yeah, who are unaware. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to get like first impressions of like when you sure, first yeah, saw I'll this uh, thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, we can save that then. Uh, Tori and Noah, please. Yeah, I also got gaunched by Gita Jackson. Mm. Huh. And it's probably like the most Tumblr thing to ever Tumblr. Yeah. Like, you know, like on Tumblr, there's like all sorts of crazy ass stories that are like very clearly fake. Yeah. Then yes. people <laughs> accept it as like gospel truth. Yeah, like the Mitski sex trafficking one. Do you remember that one? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, wait, can we just talk about that? Please, I, yeah. I'll, I'll do I, a, I, yeah, I'll do a quick sidebar. Uh, someone on Tumblr posted one day and they were like, this was like Mitski at like her peak just be the cowboy popular like be the cowboy mm-hmm. had come out it was so popular mm-hmm. people were loving Mitski and this one person posts on Tumblr and they're like Mitski is cancelled this year this day I was sex trafficked by Mitski I don't remember the details I might be mixing some of it up oh but God. it was like I was sex trafficked by Mitski and this is what happened and then all the comments were like this like I, I don't want a victim shame or victim blame or whatever here but like this does not make sense like the timeline doesn't make any sense none of this makes any sense and then op eventually came out and was hey guys sorry i was having kind of like a psychotic break and i posted some stuff that was kind of not okay but like there was a very brief moment where people were kind of caught up in this like is mitski gonna have to like address this like and it's the kind of shit that can only happen on tumblr.com like truly (laughs) i believe she like deleted her twitter i think that was a contributor yeah i think that was holy shit oh i thought that was we can't. We, 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 see, yeah, we can't. We can't do this. We do not have the bandwidth. <laughs> um, There's only so much Tumblr content we yeah. can talk about in one episode. I guess yeah. that is my turn for Goncharov, though. Uh, I actually saw it on Ground Zero on Tumblr.com. I have the <laughs> same Tumblr account that I made back in like 2012, mm-hmm. and I go through period. I like. I used it a lot from like 2012 to like 2016, 17. Fell off a bit when I was in college, and I would kind of come back period periodically for a couple month period now is probably the most on tumblr i've been in years because the webs mm. it, it seems like every person i followed was posting stuff that was like so much more tied to like who i was a decade ago is either gone or has just shifted to posting memes so now it's just like tumblr's just this really great repository for like memes and content i actually like so and i like it because i don't have to be like i don't have to be like a real person on it the way twitter has mm. turned into and the way all this stuff has turned into so the first post about gontrov i saw was actually the first one that has the picture of the shoes which I'm mm-hmm. sure someone will explain in a minute here and the this idiot hasn't seen Goncharov and I was like yeah. that's funny <laughs> yeah. and then it spilled over onto other websites in a way that I feel like a Tumblr meme hasn't in a long time like yeah. all of a sudden I got a TikTok about it and I was like hey whoa this isn't supposed to happen like yeah. I'm not supposed to see Tumblr memes on websites that aren't Tumblr.com so right. it's it's been a very interesting experience having seen it ground zero it's funny when you mentioned the shoes I was just thinking about like that Ernest Hemingway thing 
something. It's yeah. like for sale, Goncharov shoes, <laughs> Nethel <laughs> Warren. Holy shit. Can you imagine, though, like if someone tried to sell those shoes, yeah. it would be, they'd make a fucking killing. Yeah, some yeah. idiot would buy them and be like, I'm opening a Tumblr museum. I'm some idiot. Yeah, yeah there you go. I was going to say like <laughs> that, like the Dashcon ball pit, like a couple other just like uh, oh really God, cursed totems. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> cursed totems is such a great, uh, such a great encapsulation of of Tumblr. Calling them totems is is really a, a perfect word. Um, so to quickly explain the shoe picture, the 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 picture that has started it all, I actually don't think this post so so a lot of the stuff that i'm referencing is from a, an article on the guardian called uh goncharov why has the internet invented a fake martin scorsese film um <laughs> it's just kind of a back and forth between two two writers for the guardian about about goncharov and they link to a photo of the shoes which is just this like <laughs> it is the tongue of like a pair of boots that says Martin Scorsese presents Goncharov and then, you know, just a bunch of other stuff. And the text of the post is, I got these knockoff boots online and instead of a brand name on the tag, they have the name of an apparently non-existent Martin Scorsese movie. What the fuck? Uh, and then somebody replied, this idiot hasn't seen Goncharov. And, I love the confidence of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like the, uh, the origins of that photo um, is like it's it's several years old and didn't come back around until uh, until 2020, uh, which is when somebody said this idiot hasn't seen Goncharov. That was like a 2020 post. Uh, and then I guess it's just been like floating on the outskirts of Tumblr until recently uh, Tumblr user uh, Beelzebub spelled with a lot of ease made a poster for the movie um which stars uh robert de niro al pacino gene hackman uh harvey keitel um sybil shepherd stacked cast yeah it's a stacked cast it's really great um but yeah so so from that poster and from those original posts like it has just spiraled into the most uh, people online have been, or have been tagging it unreality mm-hmm. and it's just like things that don't exist but people are pretending like it exists because I guess it's fun mm-hmm. which which is why I called it an ARG uh, which is short for yeah. alternate reality game uh, if you're not privy to the acronyms and it's just like it's, it's so good and I love seeing stuff about it uh, on Tumblr um, people are posting things like it's not just like people posting like, oh, yes, Goncharov, it's a real movie. It's like <laughs> people saying uh, there's there's a post in this Guardian article article says bitches will be like my OT three. And it's a woman who could murder them. A guy who hasn't had a good night's sleep in six years. And another guy who almost got both of the other two murdered. It's me. I'm bitches. And then it's just like pictures of these three people who are supposedly <laughs> in Goncharov, but like from different films kind of of the era. So they look yeah. kind of consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like there's so many layers to get to a post like that that is just mind-boggling to yeah. me mm-hmm. well and um, people are people are inventing character names there's a character i know there's a katya there's an ice pick joe like people yes. people are just in people are inventing character names they're writing fan fiction they're drawing fan mm-hmm. art like yes. it's it's there are in-depth analyses yes. of yeah. specific scenes yes. of the movie that don't exist there's a score Somebody wrote the score. Um, yeah, Somebody wrote it's, the score. It's absolutely it's spectacular. Yeah, it's spectacular. It's buck wild, and I am I am absolutely over the moon about it. Yeah, and of course because it's Tumblr, there's a lot of gay subtext in yes. this non-existent yes. movie. Yes. As between Katya and Sophia, and also Goncharov and Andre. Yeah, Andre the banker. Yeah. 
I saw right, I saw right, a comment right. about this at one point. This was either in a tweet or in a uh, one of the garbage day newsletters because they've been covering it pretty pretty well. Somebody oh. said like uh, even when Tumblr makes up a movie to freak out about, it doesn't have canon gay characters. It just has queer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's beautiful, beautiful line. I, I do is, really want to yeah. share. Um, what I, an observation! I mentioned Garbage Day. I'm not sure if any of you guys read this. This is a really really great newsletter about mm. internet culture and social media and just all kinds of stuff. It's written by a guy named Ryan Broderick. He also has a podcast called The Content Minds, and he occasionally has another person. Um, her name is Allegra. Come on and write stuff. And they've written like three separate newsletter chunks about Goncharov. But the most <laughs> recent one, Allegra posits that like one of the reasons that there are articles in The Guardian and like the papers of record about this is because people are kind of shifting their attention to other social medias other than Twitter in yes. the same way that like there was probably an article in The Guardian oh. about Bean Dad. Like, there yeah. is an article in The Guardian oh, about Goncharov because people are starting to kind of shift their focus off Twitter. And so she yeah. calls she says, unquestionably, it has a little more a little more than a bit to do with the all eyes on Tumblr energy of the past few weeks due to the ongoing Twitter meltdown. Simply put, more journalists are paying attention to the site than before. But also, Goncharov is pretty damn impressive on its own. It's as yes. if knowing they were being observed, Tumblr decided to put on their best show, one that demonstrated at full force its <laughs> best features as a platform. And then she says, I mean, that's not really what happened, but it's a fantastic coincidence, even so. <laughs> but it's true. It's like when, when Twitter yeah. is actively turning into like a fascist hellhole, like mm -hmm. Tumblr decided that like you know what right on cue we're gonna make up a martin scorsese movie and we're all yeah. gonna just pretend we're in on this show <laughs> and they also unbanned nudity i mean they are really they're really back there you go. Yeah. they're back at it there you go yeah absolutely incredible um yeah i had a whole thing i wanted to get into alternate reality games but we simply do not have the time <laughs> <laughs> let me just end off this bit by reading uh, uh a tumblr text post uh and i'll probably i'll, I'll, I'll put some underscoring here just for fun In a way, Goncharov really is the greatest gangster movie ever made. There are thousands of people dreaming up their own versions of this movie, with more plot threads than can ever actually fit into a two-hour movie. No actual film could ever compare to the imagination of a million strangers, and that's weirdly beautiful. Yeah, that's true. That hits it right on the head. <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, so uh, that's that's Goncharov. <laughs> that's Goncharov, baby. I am so happy that we were able to bring it to the show today. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> Kim, would you like to transition back to an actual video, video game? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I played Pokemon Violet this week. Hey. <laughs> um, the Goncharov of Pokemon games. The Goncharov. So true, yeah. I, <laughs> well, we well really... first of all, let, let's go down the line here. Who is your starter? Mm. Oh, it was a very difficult decision between Quaxley and... Um, Oh my god, who was the little alligator? Fue Coco. Um, Fue Coco. Fue Coco. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I did end up going with Fue Coco mm. uh, just because I did go to the University of Florida Go Gators. Um, <laughs> had to. Um, <laughs> but did, is ever is anyone else playing? Am I the only one playing? I am confident I'm getting it for my birthday like next week. <laughs> oh, so nice. fingers crossed. Noah, have you finally pulled the trigger and made this purchase? I attempted to last night. 
but I did not. Uh, In our chat, you said you were going to try and go get it. For for context, me and one of my best friends have been locked in this cold war of uh, which of us is going to bite the bullet and buy Pokemon first, because we were both Mm -hmm. dead set. He was like, I'm going to get Scarlet. I was like, I'm going to get Violet. You can come over. We'll both play it together. Tori, for context, this is Cam. I was like, we're going to have so much fun. And then the reviews started dropping about how badly this game ran. And so immediately (laughs) we both got cold feet. I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to spend $60 on this game. Maybe there are like Tactics Ogre Reborn just came out. That's a game I really want to get. Like I have a real hard time, even if like I I would buy it from the local video game store that's near my house. Like I still have a really hard time supporting Game Freak, knowing that they keep making such piss poor decisions with their franchise. But my my friend finally bit the bullet and he bought Scarlet a couple days ago. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I went to the game store I shop at last night before they closed. I walk in. All they had was Scarlet. And I was like, do you guys have any copies of Violet? And he was like, no, that one was more popular. It's sold out. We're probably not going to have it for another week. And I was like, this is the universe telling me to hold off for a week. (laughs) (laughs) So I do still fully intend to get it just because Mm. like... I don't know. As much as I don't want to support Game Freak and them releasing games that run like absolute dog shit, like I haven't played a new Pokemon game since Sun and Moon and I'm like kind of eager to jump on the bandwagon and see how this goes. So I don't know. But that said, I do not have it yet. I have not started playing it. Do you all you guys know which starter you're going to pick if and when you get the game? I'm feeling like Spaghetti. I really, Ooh, I really like okay. him too. I really like him. Yeah, I like, and I like that he becomes like grass dark, which I think is like a really cool type combination. Mm. That's yeah. that's cool. I also just love his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I feel like it's the most like Spanish name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Fuecoco is too, kinda. Fuecoco yeah. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's what? happening with Quaxley. Quaxley, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up there. I Quaxley's evolutions are wild i don't know if y'all have seen tiktoks about them but i've been holding (laughs) off oh really okay Okay. i won't say any more than (laughs) but yeah it's it's resplendent yes Uh, have you encountered any lechonks yet oh yes they're (gasps) everywhere they're (gasps) they're so (laughs) common and yeah i i got one and i named him hamon um (laughs) i name a lot of my pokemon after food um but yeah i listen we don't have to spend too long of a time on this because everything that I could possibly say about this game has been said a million times over <laughs> by like millions sure. of people. It runs like shit. Like, I, and I haven't encountered like, I think the worst of it yet. I've heard yeah. that it like puts its better foot forward in terms of performance. And as you go, it sort of gets Ooh. worse and worse. Yeah. Um, Are there any patches out that we that have been like issued? No. So and there was um, (laughs) there was a weird report yesterday where someone posted on Reddit that they had contacted like customer support to be like, hey, this game runs like shit. And uh, they gave kind of like a canned response that was like, oh, we're not aware of any problems with the game and there are no plans to to patch it, which obviously caused a huge uproar. And then people who like are familiar with customer service and how it works are like, it is likely that that was just a canned response um, given by someone Mm -hmm. like in a call center somewhere. Um, And then there were further reports of people saying, yeah, I contacted customer support and they told me that like there have been reports and you know like uh, we'll see like what kind of patch gets gets released but um so far i don't think that there have been any but the thing like it it, it is absolutely apparent from the beginning that like 
unless you are right on top of an NPC, say like they are moving at like so few frames per second um, that they look like they're stop motion, um, which is probably the most noticeable way. Battling can be sort of buggy where sometimes you're like clipping through the ground. There are just like sort of like delays in responsiveness I have found. Um, and, and yeah, it's just wild. It also, it looks bad. Like <laughs> I said earlier, like horse tails looks better than this mm. game in a lot of ways where like, you know, the textures are just like repeating patterns mm. that it, like, it looks like N64 stuff mm. sometimes. Are you like um, having fun though? Are you having a good time? Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it is actually a lot of fun. Um, I think the exploration is great. The like open worldness of it all, and the ability to just kind of like traverse on the back of your motorcycle Pokemon, mm. which is such an absurd and wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, all of that is very fun and feels very good. I'm not huge on battling. And so I do miss um, the like Arceus approach of just being able to throw a Pokeball and hopefully catch the thing without having to battle it. Mm -hmm. And I also will say the probably the number one thing that I miss is uh, character customization. You get four options for uniforms and then you can like accessorize differently but the uniforms are fugly i'm sorry (laughs) they don't look cute they're not cute they they don't even have a skirt option let me put on a skirt at least if i'm wearing a school uniform no so lame yeah at least in pokemon snap like your photographer looks kind of cute i mean if y'all ever played new pokemon snap for the switch Mm -hmm. yeah people look cute in that one (laughs) yeah yeah, and like more recent, like uh, Sword and Shield, yeah. um, there were tons of outfit options and uh, same for Arceus. And so it's just kind of weird yeah. that... Hell, X and Y that... had a shitload of outfit options. Like there was a lot of customization. Okay, so that's actually a comparison mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about was this versus Arceus. I skipped out on Arceus because I was like deep in Elden Ring and I was like, I yeah. cannot mm-hmm. do two like open world games at the same time. So I chose one over the other. And people are saying that Arceus like is better and runs better than yeah. Scarlet Violet. Mm. That just blows my mind. Also, yeah. maybe they shouldn't be trying to put out a game every five months. That's just why yeah. my yeah. hot It's not necessary. It's it's insane. Insane. We didn't need another Pokemon game this early. And yeah. like, uh, you know, it is it's such a complicated thing to kind of like parse my feelings about a game that is just like inexcusable mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2022 <Yeah. laughs> but also has so many great ideas and there's so many cool things going on and i i've heard and i'm only starting to see glimpses of it because i'm so early on but so many people who have like finished the game have like rolled credits or like that is the best story that has ever been in any Pokemon game. Wow. So like there there are things that it is doing. And I've seen multiple people say this is my favorite Pokemon game, like longtime fans of the franchise. Yeah. And so like there's clearly some really good stuff going on in here. And it's a shame that like we can't have both a well running and sort of like polished game yeah. for you know 2022 yeah um that also is embracing all of these really cool ideas and you know i like i'm not super familiar with this but my understanding is that like it is because of these kind of compressed timelines um that are imposed from on high that that the game is not you know where it could be Mm -hmm. and i think that's a fucking shame Mm -hmm. me to everyone i know capitalism caused this but yeah i mean i like if you're at all interested and if 
you know, performance issues and, and things like that are not going to be like deal breaking for you. I do think it's worth checking out and just going in and, and being fully aware of those things. But, um, you know, if you're looking for the good in it, you're going to find some cool stuff. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. As somebody who's like totally outside of the Pokemon sphere, I haven't played. I forgot that I bought Pokemon White when it came out. Um, oh, wow. So the last one I remember playing uh, is probably like Diamond. Um, I like yeah. played all the way through. Um, actually, no, that's a lie because I've never actually finished a Pokemon game. I've like gotten God and then was like, well, why do I need to finish the Pokemon League? I have I have peaked. Yeah. Like, what's the point? So I would just like run around and catch more Pokemon, whatever. But like to your point, Kim, of people saying like this is the, the best Pokemon game they've ever played. Like, you're absolutely right that it's like just some C-suite executive just being like, well, we need a, a holiday season Pokemon to come out so we can get our end of the year push. And it's just like why why I mean, like what there, there's there's no reason other than like we are just trying money. to make money yeah which just like absolutely blows on every single level and the fact that yeah. like the writing and stuff is there there period at all or but also like there enough to like be you know the best story i've ever had in a pokemon game is is just a, it's just a real shame it's just a really sh- a real shame i've seen some people kind of express frustration too in that vein at the fact that like they're probably going to make more money selling plush toys pokemon go coins Mm -hmm. and all kinds of other stuff than they even are on this game and it's kind of interesting because it's like pokemon when it started in 96 98 depending on where you live in the world was kind of revelatory for being such a big transmedia push like Mm -hmm. you you got the games and then you've got the tv show and then Mm -hmm. you got all the toys and all this stuff and the way it all cards yeah the cards duh and the way it all interrelates but like in a way that almost seems to be holding the series back nowadays because mm-hmm. it's they they have to release it on such a strict schedule because that's what the cards dictate that's what the anime dictates and it's kind of sad because it's like god i wish they could just come up with new guys and just let those guys exist yeah without having to put a game out within six months for those guys to exist like if if Fuecoco and quaxley and spaghetti could just exist in a vacuum i'd be a happy mm-hmm. camper i don't care if a game doesn't come out for two years like if yeah. i could just look at jpegs of those guys i'd be very happy yeah well and the internet was very happy doing that for for the last yeah, year or whatever, yeah. right? so it's like it's not like the hype wasn't there or something or they were like exactly. trying to really act on something while it was hot you know strike while the iron was hot or whatever it was just like well it's the end of the year so we need to put something out so we make money exactly it just yeah. fucking blows yeah yeah anyway that's pokemon that's, that's pokemon. pokemon my boy coco's name is pepito that that's is adorable. so cute. That's I adorable. That. He's very cute. Wow. I love him so much. Wow. He evolved. I won't say what he looks like now, but it's great. <laughs> Don't worry about it, but it's cute. Don't worry about it. Uh, thank you, Kim, for bringing Pokemon to the show. You're so welcome. Noah, you have a game on here that I'm really interested to hear about. I watched yeah. the trailer for it uh, earlier this week. Why don't you tell us about Milk Inside a Bag and Milk Inside a Bag? Yes. Okay. So I played Milk. The full title of this game is Milk Inside a Bag of Milk Inside a Bag of Milk. And the version that I purchased on the Switch is Milk Inside a Bag of Milk Inside a Bag of Milk, as well as the game's sequel, Milk Outside a Bag of Milk. And... 
this was AJ. You mentioned you saw the trailer for it. This was one of the games mm-hmm. that was featured in the indie direct that Nintendo did pretty recently. I did not mm-hmm. watch that one. I was like real busy when it aired. Okay. So afterwards, I was just kind of like looking at the list of games that was featured and stuff. And this one caught my eye just based on title alone. And then when I watched <laughs> the trailer, I thought it had like really cool, spooky looking vibes. This is a series of two visual novels that were directed and mostly developed by a single individual. They're from Russia and their name is Nikita Kryukov. I hope I pronounced that right. It's on like every console under the sun. And by that, I mean like at least Steam, iOS and Switch. But Mm. this game, both games are pretty similar thematically, I would say. You play as an unnamed girl who is suffering from like a litany of mental illnesses or at least issues that she's going through, namely ADHD, it seems like, and some pretty serious anxiety. And that's that's an interesting aspect on its own, especially since at one point the the girl you're playing as like not playing as the girl that is the protagonist, like addresses the player and says, like, I don't want to tell you what's wrong with me. I hope that's okay. And it's like it's. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I I don't think you can. This is not the kind of game you can spoil. The first game is like a 15 minute experience. The second game is probably like an hour long experience. But the ways you don't control the protagonist, you kind of you interact Mm. with the protagonist. And one way that like the plot of the first game is you are helping her go to the grocery store to buy milk and she's having a real hard time and she is finding comfort in acting as if her life is a video game and treating tasks like video game tasks so in doing that Mm -hmm. you are kind of controlling visual novel style like the voice in her head not in like a strange way but in just like her personal monologue that's going on in her head but sometimes that monologue you have more choice over how you're addressing her sometimes it's like you have a a mean a nice and and a different option and other times it's like it gives you one option and that option is to be an asshole to her and it's oh it's God. really it's really tough and like as as somebody who suffered with undiagnosed anxiety for a significant portion of my life and didn't really know what was going on i i found it kind of moving in a way that like sometimes you don't have the option mm-hmm. to be the nice voice in her head you you are the mm-hmm. exasperated oh my god why can't you do basic tasks like a normal person type voice Mm -hmm. but it's got a really beautiful art style the first game is very like 8-bit looking with like this really kind of eerie pixel graphics i don't know if either you guys are familiar it gave me big vibes when i saw the trailer and after playing it it, i was confirmed it reminds me a lot of serial experiments lane the the anime that's like very big on uh kind of interrogating what it's like to exist on the internet and how the internet kind of exists with human beings Mm. this doesn't tackle that stuff thematically it's very much more focused on like anxiety and depression and getting stuff done when you have a lot of executive dysfunction stopping you but it was it was really really good it was like seven or eight dollars on the switch Mm -hmm. and i think it's around the same price on steam and other stuff but i don't know if you're if you're interested in playing a short visual novel that like i don't know if interrogates is the right word but definitely puts you in the headspace of somebody who's dealing with some pretty serious mental illness like it's it's really interesting it was pretty weird games to play on a plane considering like planes are kind of liminal (laughs) spaces and that game is like very eerie i'm like listening to this like spooky 
ambient music in my headphones while they're going up the aisle like would you like a cup of water so yeah it was it was really good though i really enjoyed it i'm glad i picked it yeah. up that sounds like the ideal experience on the plane. Yeah. yeah i was uh really curious about it you know when i saw the trailer i was like i couldn't tell exactly what the vibe is it's kind of just mm-hmm. like a trailer for vibes really and the vibes are just like yeah. it's kind of surrealist horror ish but it doesn't really tell you really what the game is about it just kind of really sets like here is the art style here is kind of the vibe we're dealing with and here is the weird title that is like you know probably more meaningful in in a context so i'm i'm glad to hear that they're both really good now what is the difference between inside a bag of milk and outside a bag of milk are they separate stories or they they are separate stories but they're connected inside a bag of milk takes place in the morning afternoon you are guiding or going along with this girl to the grocery store to buy milk and then she walks home and the game ends when she gets home and has like this incredibly eerie brief back and forth with her mother Mm. and outside a bag of milk which is really interesting because it there's a lot more you could tell time i don't want to say time and money but like a lot more resources went into outside a bag of milk it has like anime style graphics whereas Mm. inside a bag of milk was very like one bit graphics Mm. like not not a lot to them and outside a bag of milk actually starts with like an anime cutscene that retells the story of the first game which i thought was really cool and If Inside a Bag of Milk is a visual novel, Outside a Bag of Milk is a visual novel with a brief point and click section. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you get to click on things. And the, the protagonist even says at one point, like, hey, last time I pretended my life was a visual novel and it helped me get something done. Maybe I'll have an easier time cleaning my room up if I pretend it's a point and click adventure game. So it's <laughs> sure. it's very fourth wall breaky. It's mm. very interesting. But it all takes place over the span of like a day, basically. OK. Wow. I think it's very, it's very cool that the the POV that it puts you as the player in, um, yeah. like you are almost just like a figment of the protagonist's you know imagination yeah. or whatever. It's it's very interesting. I also I couldn't help or I couldn't stop thinking either about how cool it is that this is something that was included in like the Nintendo Indie Direct. Like, yeah, it's it's this very much had the vibe of something that I would have stumbled across on like itch.io late yes. at night or saw saw a weird tumblr post about and went and downloaded yeah, that's like true it's not like a a cutesy indie game that yeah like, it's not a right. farming sim yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god stop yeah it's it's definitely darker than the average like indie world yeah. nintendo yeah. way 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 darker yeah yeah exactly you know when they put like the like a like fair use guitar sounding yes. cutesy yeah. music over the back and they're yeah. like here's an anime horror game about a girl who wants to kill herself <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah i mean i i would love to hear the two hosts try and riff over something <laughs> like this and just absolutely with it Oh man! Whoa! They they must drink milk inside a bag of milk in some other places. This game is available now on the Nintendo Switch store. Like, yeah, those are my favorite parts of the indie direct. By the way, where like oh you can God. tell the hosts don't have any idea what these games are, yeah. and they're just like, here's like ten seconds of a vibe and quick, a pun. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a cool game though. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. But I do, I would put some serious content warnings as far as like mental illness, sure. self harm, or. Uh, general spookiness if that's something that you think kind of might inhibit your ability to enjoy it cool thank you tori 
you've got something here on the list that I'm <laughs> okay. kind of equally as excited about. To hear I you talk just about. started playing this last night. So uh, let me just back this up. So like okay. there was a point where I started tunic a couple days before Noah started. He was like, wait up, like wait for me. And I was like, bet. And so <clears throat> I started a run of Kingdom Hearts final mix. I got the Kingdom Hearts like all in one pack and you know, the ones they always have on sale for like $20 mm-hmm. for the PS4. Yeah. I have that. And I I was like, I'm going to do a proud mode run of Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. That shit is so busted. Like, <laughs> it's so broken. Uh-huh. I I could not get past Traverse Town because the Heartless, like, one-shot you. It is, mm. like, it, it's just, it's so unhelpful. It is so deeply unhelpful. And, like, I would venture to say, like, the Donald not healing you RNG is just like <laughs> worse on proud mode. He just like never oh, no. heals you. Oh my um, God. So I, I was like, okay, fuck this. I'm putting this down. <laughs> we played Tunic. We beat Tunic. Last night I pick up Kingdom Hearts again, normal mode. Now I'm just like, I'm just baby moding this. Like I'm just trying <laughs> to enjoy the story and maybe actually like understand the story for the first time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> So I played one, two, three, and bits of the card one in Dream Drop Distance mm-hmm. um, in my lifetime, but I'm still like, what the hell is going on? Um, so I was like, this is, this is going to be like my fun run of Kingdom Hearts. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I'm in the Tarzan world now. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's fun. It's so janky, though. Like, um, <laughs> I was having some problems with uh, one boss in particular that you encounter in the Alice in Wonderland world. Um it's like, I don't know, it looks like a double helix of DNA. It's like this super tall, lanky boss, and it shoots mm-hmm. fireballs out of its arms. <laughs> and the funny thing about this boss is that, so you're Alice in Wonderland, so you've taken, like, the pill that makes you small, and he, and this boss is really tall and lanky. That's part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, platform things. You have to, like, jump off of tables and, like, hit him in midair. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's fun part of the challenge. And you, like, shoot magic at him and, and things like that. Mm. The issue is that in my game, I was starting to have some performance issues where, like, I'd no. be standing on top of the table and the table would disappear. No! And I was oh, like, oh. And it was just, huh. it was pretty janky. Um, and I could just never predict what Donald and Goofy were going to do, which is just part of how these games work. But yeah, like Donald would game. just run and get killed in like two seconds. And I was like, <laughs> all right, guess it's just you and me, Goofy. And Goofy would just be like aimlessly hitting at its feet and getting like parry blocked. And so basically I just basically the way I managed to cheese this fight is I got Goofy to be the distraction. I would hit it. And once Goofy and Donald were both dead, I would hide behind the chair when it wasn't disappearing. It would shoot fireballs at the chair instead of me. And then I would jump up off the table if the table was present to hit it. Oh my God. And this took like an hour. This was really some effort. Um, (laughs) So now I'm doing that. I just love, I love the way this game shows its age. It's like kind of hilarious. Mm. I, I got to the part in Tarzan world, like you wake up in the treehouse. There's a jaguar that attacks you. You just smack it with your keyblade. And then Tarzan appears and you're like, Riku, Donald, help me find my friends. He's like, friends. And um, (laughs) there's a part where he jumps, he's supposed to jump off the treehouse into the bush. And instead of like, I'm I'm bending my arm here, like arc jumping, hopping, Mm -hmm. he does like... (laughs) 
he jumps like this and goes eh. like, he just like <laughs> was, not moving his model limbs just, like hovers yeah the 3D model just hovers oh off into the distance oh my god it's like go find Tarzan wow. <laughs> it's oh, like oh so my funny. god uh, uh, it's funny you said that it's showing its age though because like I don't remember maybe this is just like rose colored kid glasses speaking but like I don't remember those games being particularly buggy on the PS2 so I wonder if that's like dude I don't know if it's rose colored glasses or the quote unquote remaster or import to the mm. PS4 it just like yeah. sucks really bad yeah it's possible um, yeah. it's yeah. possible <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a lot of fun it's I love how I just I love the mess it's a fun mess um mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to play all the way through again? Like the I series? think so. Well, not the whole. I don't know about the whole series. That's okay. a commitment. Um, I'm going to play this game and see how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I actually never finished three. So now I'm like, I really want to get mm-hmm. back into it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of this might be like a, a year or two long project where I like play a Kingdom Hearts game like once every six months. Sure. And I like give myself so I cannot marathon this. That would just be too yeah. much. Yeah. Right. For that me like personally. But um god these these cuts i just love the cutscenes. like there's so many compilations of like oh, out yeah. of context kingdom hearts cutscenes, <laughs> and they're just so great um yeah. so I'm, I'm getting ready for that that's pretty yeah. much all i have to say about it i literally just started like last night so. yeah i played um my first kingdom hearts game was chain of memories on my game boy advance Ooh. Um, what and i loved it honestly maybe that's a hot take but i've heard a lot of people no one likes that game i know game sucks i had a great time with it on my game boy so i don't know if it was just like a a place like when it was ported to console it lost some of its charm because they like made it look like all of the other you know like when you're playing on the game boy it basically just looks like Mega Man battle network but you have yeah it has beautiful sprite work it has great sprite work It's, Um, it's awesome yeah but yeah so so i played that you know when it came out in like 2004 or something uh and then in college early in college me and my my girlfriend at the time played through the first two or at least like the the whole first one and then like half of the second one and yeah i i don't know i i can't remember any like bug stuff uh so i do think it probably is just like the whatever data files they had at uh sony hq they were like yeah let's just put this on a disc see what happens um yeah but uh those games are the, the, the vibes of those games i think are like perfect for a six month spaced out playthrough <laughs> you know what i mean yes yeah. it's yes. like yeah. you, you, you go back and I you got, eat like you a big, microdose kingdom hearts you yeah it's too like, hard. <laughs> microdosing is is great i was gonna say you're just like eating a big bag of candy once every six months i'm just like i don't really care i'm just kind of shoveling it in whatever but microdosing is actually much funnier mm. so i'm i'm excited to <laughs> hear your journey through uh through this and the rest of it on uh on the show but uh kim do you have yeah. any experience with the kingdom hearts games or is this not, like is this greek to you not an ounce of experience not at all okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, so you're such well, a Disney person. Yeah, but part of the reason this podcast even exists is that uh, there was like a 20 year time frame where I didn't play video games between the ages gotcha. of like not that long, probably more like 15 years, but like from the time that I was like a preteen to when I was 25, I yeah. did not yeah. touch a video game. So there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge, and that is mm. one of them. Hmm interesting i would love to to hear you uh, experience <laughs> kingdom hearts yeah you gotta stream these games yeah, or something maybe, well, i would watch the hell out of that maybe someday we'll do it on the show 
Yeah, I'm writing Kingdom Hearts down. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it is so funny though playing this game on like with such modern hardware. Like I'm playing mm-hmm. this PS4 version ported onto my PS5, <laughs> like a nice on like a nice TV, and I just yeah. see like the chunky polygon art of like the Danny DeVito guy from Hercules being yeah, like, "This ain't a real hero." Yeah, I was and gonna I'm say, like, does the game benefit at all from being upres so many times? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just see like I just see Tarzan hovering in like my 4K TV. I'm just like, this is exactly how God intended Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that that sounds like an incredible experience. To be honest, yes. you are selling me on this. I wish I could travel back in time to like 1997 Tetsuya Nomura and be like, oh my god, sir, I'm such a big fan of your work, especially the game where Cloud Strife and Tarzan hang out. I've been playing it on my 4K television. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Um, Thank you, Tori, for bringing that to the show. uh, It was lovely. Um, Now... The way that this show's been working for the past three weeks is we would transition now into our quote-unquote main game, or main games, yeah. um, which is, like, the reason we invited these specific people onto the show, usually. Um, today... <laughs> a little loosey-goosey. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of stretching the, the term game mm-hmm. um, uh, due to a semi-joke uh, that Kim put in our, our planning document. You yeah. Give us a little background. Um, so, uh, as a, as a goof, so I was like many people, uh, one of the, the millions who stayed up the night of, um, October 20th, 2022 mm-hmm. to listen to Taylor Swift's midnights at midnight when it dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. at the very same time, Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time dropped, as we discussed yeah. at the beginning of uh, the episode. And I think it was shortly after that that we were formulating this idea. And so I put <laughs> mm-hmm. the idea to do synchronous episodes for uh, for the next couple of months. So I put Taylor Swift's Midnights on our list of games to talk about as a joke. Um, and then AJ shared that list with all the guests um, with, without removing Taylor Swift's Midnights because I failed to tell them that it was a joke. Well, um, in in the, the, the sheet, to be fair, you said Midnights in parentheses with Tori and Noah. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because y'all were and tweeting we all, about yeah. it. Y'all were in the trenches yes. with me at midnight. We were yeah. tweeting about uh, which was y'all's 3 a.m., I think. Or was it was it midnight your time and nine? my time it's midnight our time I okay so like, yeah dropped eastern time for me. that privilege you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah do. eastern time privilege. um so so you were among the people on my feed live tweeting your thoughts about uh this album and so i was like well that's the perfect thing to discuss with them uh and now here we are um <laughs> and i have to tell me you reaping me sowing yeah me, exactly <laughs> um and uh yeah so I guess like general thoughts about this album. I didn't like it that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. It's like, it it wasn't bad, but it's just, I, so I was like sort of mildly into pop Taylor, uh, back in the day. And, um, like I, I was not like a super fan, but I really liked 1989, whatever. And then the pandemic hit and folklore and evermore Mm. came out. And oh, yeah, it was sad girl autumn. 
And it was like those albums were so fucking good mm-hmm. and like so of the moment. And I was like, I can't like I, I it's it. I'm Taylor pilled can never go back. I can never go back. Taylor yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, I was anticipating this album coming out. Um, and then she went back to pop Taylor and I was like, you know what? I think I'm a folk Taylor girl. I think that mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. the like I don't think any of the songs are bad it's just like nothing grabbed me the way that those albums did yeah um, can we just all state our relationship to taylor yes. swift yeah. here like so you went mm-hmm. do you want to go noah yeah i mean i guess i'm a recent convert to enjoying taylor swift's music um when i was a kid my little sister was really into her and so for me as like a i'm a i'm a masculine teenage boy <laughs> it was very yeah. like it was very like this is the thing my sister likes so it's cringe and <laughs> During the pandemic, a very close friend of mine from college started this thing that he called his music club. And it was it was basically like a book club. But we listened to like an album once a week and then we would all get on and talk about it on Zoom for hours on end. I love that. And it was like such a great way to like stay in touch with people and i've i like made some really great friends through doing that because he took as an opportunity to like ram three different friend groups Mm -hmm. together but one of the things we did like a a year plus into doing this was taylor swift's entire discography front to back and it was like it was one part a ploy to get new people involved in this and also like evermore had just come out everybody was talking about it we were like fuck it let's just dive right into this and so i found myself like really kind of enjoying the nostalgia of listening to these albums that I had like gotten really irritated that we kept the CD in my mom's car (laughs) so that my sister could just like listen to speak now over and over and over again. (laughs) But like, I kind of found a newfound love for this artist who like, I do think she's a little overrated. I, I don't think everything she touches is gold, but like, I really do think she's a really good songwriter. So I, I also really like reputation too. So like, I don't know what that says. That about is me so as, like, spicy. A fan. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, so yeah, when this album came out, like, I won't say I had, I didn't have like a ton of like anticipation leading up to it. My, my girlfriend is like a way bigger Swifty than I am, but I was like, I'm going to listen to it. I'll see how I feel about it. And like, I really enjoyed the shades of like reputation that came through on it. But I will say all in all, I found it to be like, fine. I was like, Mm. yeah, this is all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I end up where you are, Noah, of thinking like, yeah, this is fine. It's, you know, but um, my history with it is like way less. I would say sometime in like 2016 or 17, I had a friend be like, you know, 1989 is actually a really good album. And so I said, okay, I'll listen to it because this was the same friend who told me, you know, Carly Rae Jepsen actually bangs. I was like, okay, well, I have to trust this friend now. Yeah. Good opinions. Um, Yeah. And like 1989 was, it was fine. It was good. It was, it's not my specific like want for pop music, Mm -hmm. you know, um it's no emotion for what it's it, yeah. it's no emotion but what what is yeah, um that's true, that's true. <laughs> but it is it, it's a very specific kind of like i don't know i don't want to say radio friendly like it's a it's a bad thing but it is like a very radio friendly pop music um yeah but you know it's that's not bad that's just is that just is mm-hmm. what it is that's that's the kind of music she makes uh the kind of pop music she makes um but like kim in you know when in the pandemic when folklore and evermore came out i was like all in for those albums like sufian stevens is one of my favorite artists hmm. um and there are like shades of sufian stevens shades of bony Vare. Yeah. i mean justin burton's literally on the album uh so so i love folklore and evermore and then you know my partner and i well we were already dating at that point but my partner wasn't super into taylor swift until like 
I would say maybe like a year and a half ago, she finally came to terms with the fact that she she is and has been a Swifty for like (laughs) four years or something. She just like never Mm -hmm. was was comfortable putting the label on it. Um, But she really went all in in the last like year and a half. So then when this album came out, we did the same thing, stayed up till midnight. And then just like (laughs) we 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 didn't share headphones, but we sat next to each other in, in bed and hit play at the same time. And then listen to the whole That's thing uh, and then went to sleep. But and like, yeah, like like I said, and, and like Noah said, it's just like it's it's fine. Like there's some stuff in here that I really like. There's some stuff in here that I like really don't like. I'll say <laughs> this because of, of Noah's spicy take that reputation's really good. It's like I think reputation is like so close to being really good and is just kind of hampered by some of the like. I don't know, heavy handedness of of yeah. some of the like genres that she's trying to ape. Um, yeah. and, and it just like doesn't really work for me uh, in, mm-hmm. in that way. But yeah, so that's that's my Tori. Where do you uh, come <laughs> okay. into this? So, yeah, I think I I might be the only one who can say this. I was a huge fan of Taylor Swift as a child. Nice. Like yeah. I nice. grew up. So this is, I was living in West Virginia and in Texas from like 2005 to 2010, which is mm-hmm. like critical Taylor Swift years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is like fearless speak. Now her first albums, all the country girls were loving her. All the country <laughs> girls were curling their hair, the mm-hmm. most obnoxious ragdoll curls and the cowboy boots and the sundresses. Mm-hmm. just like her. Mm-hmm. She was my first concert. Fearless oh, wow. was my first concert. Wow. Wow. So like core childhood memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her first three albums like live rent free in my head constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when she shifted to pop, I remember being like, I don't like this. Like I like mm. Yee Yee Taylor. Mm. But then <laughs> I really liked 1989. Yeah. She kind of, she kind of came into her own in like that 2012 twee sort of mm. hipstery, but like in the pop way. Yeah. And she, she did something good there. And then in college, she became like unpopular. People were like oh, Taylor, she's like a snake or whatever with like reputation mm-hmm. and lover. And I just like kind of fell off. But then the pandemic brought me back to her because folklore sounded dangerously close to teenage country Taylor, but more grown up. <laughs> yes. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is good. Yes. Like the song Betty. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, yeah. she's got the sauce. But, yeah, yeah, real she's country the roots sauce, in that one. Yeah. But she has returned to the sauce. <laughs> And those, those albums really are in a way like the the pokemon evolution version yeah. of like like yeah. oh, also that, song, that song no lover no crime which is just like goodbye earl but yeah. like yeah. 2020 yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Bro, yes those albums are fire they're oh so God. yeah i've always loved taylor swift i had a poster for her in my room as a child just adored her i still kind of adore her I had the perfume. My first perfume as a young teenager was the Enchanted Speak Now perfume. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So it's just deep for me. (laughs) Came into this album being like, okay, so it's definitely not going to be folklore anymore. And my, I I have some thoughts. I I told you guys earlier today that I listened to this album in the shower. It was a very long shower. (laughs) I listened to this album in the shower and I wrote down my notes app, like a thought about every single song. But here's my overall. So overall, seven out of ten. This is 1989, but she's in her 30s. It's 1989, mm-hmm. yes. but she's got a 401k and knows what wine <laughs> she likes instead of drinking whatever <laughs> shitty beer the guy she's yes. dating is yes. not into. Yeah. Um, well, let's be real. Taylor Swift has enough money. She was oh, yeah, never drinking yeah. shitty I'm beer. Just saying, she was like, never drinking shitty sh- beer. Sh- those hands soul. have never touched a PBR. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's like the, the people she's making music for. 
have yeah. now no I actually said in one of these lines, this is music for Bath and Body Works rewards members. <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. I am one. That is. Wow. That is so perfect and so specific. Before we get into this, because a lot of stuff is like, oh, you're criticizing this, like you're being misogynistic. And it's like, I live in the suburbs. I go to Target once a week. I got married at 23. Like, I'm one of y'all. I can say this. The Target audience. Yeah. Bath and Body Works rewards member, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also said. Uh, let's see. She oscillates between trying to be cool and being sincere. Yeah. Swift is at her best when she is sincere. I don't like yes. when she tries to be a cool girl. Mm-hmm. So, so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. My thoughts on this was she is trying to find her footing post folklore, post mm-hmm. trying to remaster all her albums that like the rights got basically stolen from. Mm-hmm. And this is where she's landed, and where she has landed is a grown-up 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is how I feel. There are definitely shades of reputation. It's like vigilante shit. Hate that yeah. song. Yeah, did not, not enjoy that album. <laughs> not good. Um, I put this is peak cringe Swift. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it, exactly Damn. as you described. It's her trying to be cool. It's her trying. I don't like it. I, I also yeah. can I just say as someone who was raised very religious, I know that she was raised religious. She says fuck like her mom is in the room. Oh my God. <laughs> and I know what that feels like. Oh my God. I saw someone, I wow. think it might have been uh, Will, friend of the show. And yeah. um, he tweeted that night, it's like Taylor Swift just discovered the word fuck. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it, she, there are some songs and vigilante shit is the perfect example where she is just trying so hard and the the Mm, best songs are the ones that are effortless for her and i think that's Mm -hmm. that's part of why folklore and evermore i think hit so hard for me personally she's like on her her new england girly shit like she's wearing a flannel yeah she's so in her element and not not trying to target something she's just doing what she is so good at it i i agree wholeheartedly (laughs) i i think a lot of the reason that reputation works so well in on some levels is because like that whole album is what vigilante shit is for this album but it's the entire thing so it's like she's putting on a character for the entire Mm runtime of the album which is kind of fun but when you try and do it for just a single song in this album it's like she like "Mm." steps out the best i could describe it is like she briefly put on a Catwoman costume and then took (laughs) it off after one song i was like all right yeah it's just like feels weirdly out of place and it's like ah okay kim were you expecting or at least hoping that the next album that she made was going to sound more like the folklore evermore stuff because i was kind of thinking like all that is gold cannot stay like she's not gonna (laughs) stick with this yeah i mean i think i i didn't know what to expect um because a i feel like it was sort of like under wraps what what the sound was going to be for a while and b i was just like not that plugged in Mm -hmm. so i i truly had no idea what to expect from it i was sort of like hoping for more of that i don't think i was like confident i was gonna get it but i i went in sort of just like let's see what this is about i i mean the thing too that that really struck me and like i am not like 
a expert on music or music production or anything like that but the jack antonoff stink on this album is so strong no. for me dude <laughs> and i, 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 I like um, I, I like i listened to a lot of lord in you know 20 whatever mm. when that was like you know her heyday so like i you know i loved melodrama i'm not trying to like knock on that it just doesn't feel all that fresh today to me yeah. I want to go to his house and delete that snare sound effect. All <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I don't want to hear it ever say, again. Can I, let me just see where I have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go back to your notes app and riffs. Where I have mentioned there. Lord Mastermind, the album closer. I said, this has super cut energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let I me see that. where else. Maroon, the, the guitar and vocal delivery is giving Lord pure heroin. Yep. Yep. You're on your own, kid. Oh, question. I have heard this song on melodrama before. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so I, uh, I've mentioned this several, several times. She should collab with Lord, like, like yeah. Antonoff free, like just yeah. the two of them. I want to hear it. I did list. I don't want to go down every single song because that's just a lot. But I, <laughs> Tori just held her phone up to the camera and it's the longest notes app <laughs> note you've ever seen. <laughs> I have a list of best songs and worst songs. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Best songs. Maroon, Antihero, Snow on the Beach, Sweet Nothing. Sweet Nothing. I will roast Snow on the Beach a little bit. I said, this is this is cute, but this song will be used in a radio ad for Myrtle Beach during Christmas time about 10 <laughs> years from now. <laughs> oh, oh that's great. <laughs> Whoa. That's cute. I like the, the it's like a Alana Del Rey song that you would feel comfortable playing around your mm-hmm. mom that's not talking about fucking someone's dad. <laughs> Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like cool. snow on the beach. It's just it's just yeah. cute. It's, well twinkle, yeah. twinkle. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um Maroon is nice. I like the vocals on it. I said still cannot get over Taylor Swift saying fuck. Um yeah. Antihero. I said Antihero, my favorite song in this in this album. Mm-hmm. This is fun self-deprecation, which is quintessential Taylor Swift. She yes. thinks yes. everyone hates her, just like me, for real. <laughs> <laughs> She's and then like underneath it, I said, What the fuck is a sexy baby <laughs> yeah nice. i've been wondering that too i feel like we're not talking enough about I, what a sexy yeah baby okay is. First many of all, people are asking <laughs> first of all anti-hero yeah. so catchy totally on board such a good sexy TikTok baby, song a great tiktok song sexy baby I totally know what she was going for with that. I know exactly. I know what she was going for, but it just. Yeah, I know what she's trying to say, but it's not a good song lyric, babe. Take it out. Take Take it out. out. That's first draft stuff. (laughs) Um, But here we are. I would Uh, say, uh, uh, Noah, you brought up, uh, I mean, you asked him like what you thought or what she thought the sound of the album might have been. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to say from the marketing of this album, I was expecting some sort of like Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, like literally when I saw the promos for this album, it looked very 70s. The music video for Antihero is very 70s. When I saw this album and I saw Jack Antonoff, my first thought was it's going to be Claro's Sling, which is an album that I fucking love. Yes. Yeah. That's one of my yeah. favorite albums of all time. I was like, it's gonna be Sling, but Taylor Swift. I want it. I need yeah. it. It was 1989 with like some bell bombs, and that was yes. like, yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was devastated when it didn't have a lick yes. of <sighs> of like. I just keep saying Fleetwood Mac, but that was just like I, all I was getting from the marketing. I would have eaten 
a Stevie Nicks Taylor Swift album for breakfast, oh, lunch, dinner, dessert, dude. snack. Like, yes. I, oh, I want that so badly now. Yeah. And I feel like that would be like a perfect progression for out of mm-hmm. like folklore yeah. evermore. Folklore, yeah. yes. Yeah. To Ugh. adult Taylor. And that's what's so frustrating from like a production standpoint, too, when you hear Jack Antonoff clicking on like the same effects he was <laughs> using for her on like Reputation and mm-hmm. Lover. It's like, you know, he can do different sounds mm-hmm. like all of the Lana Del Rey albums don't sound like that. Sling didn't sound like that. Mm-hmm. And people loved Sling. And it's yeah, it's very frustrating that rather than trying to do something new from a production style, we've kind of lapsed back into what Taylor Swift sounded pre-COVID before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, before those it two sounds albums. Like he kind of phoned it in. Um, I did want to shout out the worst songs. Uh, one of we just talked oh, about vigilante shit. Yeah. I said the cat eye line. I don't like when Taylor Swift sounds like she thinks she's Catwoman. Um, <laughs> I said, this is a fun song if I have a few drinks. She has graduated mm. from sad ex-girlfriend songs to ex-wife songs, which makes sense. Mm. Yes, um, it does. I said, there are better divorced energy Taylor Swift songs. No body, no crime. <laughs> and then yeah. I also said, her her anger is better when it's country anger. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't like Dixie pop anger. anger. Yeah. No. It sounds... I don't know, kind of try hard. And then I just want to shout out another bad song on this album, which is Karma. Purely because <laughs> really? of the lyrics. Uh, oh, there's yeah. one lyric that says, Karma is like a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, me and Karma vibe like that is another lyric. I said, and I said, um, yeah. is this a Jaden Smith tweet? It's, it's a bop <laughs> is what It's fun to listen to, but it's, yeah. <laughs> I um God, that's so funny. I did have one note about karma, which is I don't know if y'all saw um someone on uh TikTok did a cover, but uh they instead of saying karma is my boyfriend, they said Kermit is my boyfriend. Nice. Uh, I and I, I sing that to myself a lot. So it's a catchy tune. Yeah. It's just yeah. the lyrics yeah. are not good. I would yeah. also yeah. another note that I have here, um, about mastermind also tiktok related that the girl i wrote the girls who do this trend on tiktok awe and frighten me like biblical angels um i don't know if anybody's seen that tiktok trend yes but yeah it's like girls explaining like the elaborate means by which they wooed their boyfriends and i oh yeah i respect the energy immensely but it is like you have too much power yeah they're like first i exerted my pheromones mm-hmm. and then i looked up his birth record yes and then like it's just like like it's one of those like i hate to sound like like one of those like reddit people but it's like if a man this if a man did this he'd be in jail it's just fucking yes. weird he should be yeah yeah and he should be yeah yeah kim this is kind of um not to get too niche or specific this is kind mm-hmm. of like that episode of normal gossip uh-huh. um where the one friend starts dating the podcaster <laughs> Yeah, it is like that. Uh, that's the mastermind energy there. If you know, you know. If you don't, you should listen to that episode. I'll yeah, put it listen to Normal notes, Gossip. That's a great yeah, show. <laughs> I did note that Mastermind has one cringe lyric that was, no one wanted to play with me as a little kid. I said, sounds sincere, reads as cringe. <laughs> we also know this is not true. Have you seen pictures of the house Taylor Swift grew up in? People definitely wanted to play with her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think she just needs to acknowledge that she is she grew up rich. Like I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I that's why I love folklore. She's like on her yeah. like New England, like I dated a yeah. Kennedy. 
heiress shit. I'm like, yeah. okay, now you're really talking. I live in I a little house. The yeah. house of a literal heiress. Like I bought yes. that yes. because I am Taylor Swift and I have a lot of fucking yes. money and we all right. know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 2022, I have such a hard time listening to like very rich people be like, my life was so hard when I was a kid and it's really hard now. And it's like, yes, but you have more money than God and mm-hmm. you fly to and from one side of L.A. on oh any given God. day in your <laughs> private jet. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a moment to acknowledge that Taylor <laughs> yes. Swift is when contributing to so much When she starts making songs about private jets, yeah. I will, I will yes. be honest. Yes. She starts singing about her contribution to the ozone hole. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Kim, were you also in the trenches trying to get tickets to the Arrows tour? Uh, absolutely or? not. But I feel for everyone no. who tried. Did anyone on this call? Yeah. Well, I know Tara did, right, AJ? Yes, my partner Tara got three tickets. Yeah. I briefly tried and I saw that a ticket for the Tampa show was, I saw one ticket was $4,800. Jesus. Oh. And I was like, good night. No. What the fuck? And then Absolutely I instead not. went and bought Paramore tickets that were far yeah. more reasonably nice. priced. Yeah. Nice. Probably be a better show, too. That's the thing. Honest. I don't. And then I, also, I have seen her. I have seen her twice. She is very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. She is. Yeah. If you if you can see her, she's great. She's theatrical. She has costume changes. Mm-hmm. The Speak Now tour, she literally hired the same customer who did the costumes for Wicked on Broadway. Wow. Holy fuck. Okay. Fucking amazing. Whoa. Fucking around, what? Taylor. Like, oh my God. Taylor Swift shows are, like, a experience, but yeah. I've already experienced it, and I don't need to experience it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I see, I'm seeing Paramore. So Good. That's, that's That'll the be fun. And I think this leads me to my final point here, actually, is uh, my final thoughts with this album and kind of everything surrounding it, the Ticketmaster shit included oh, and the, yeah. the tour and the four albums and uh, the, the four uh, LPs, I, I mean, that you need to buy to get the full set. But you also have to get the target yeah. one so you get the exclusive track. I think all of this stuff, the references back to the previous albums with certain sounds literally being like pulled from Speak Now and Fearless and stuff and being put into songs here. Um, for the purpose of being used to mix it in in the tour, this whole album and everything surrounding it, I am of the opinion she is going to do this. She's going to tour this album for two years or whatever it is and then disappear. She is going to yeah. make Whoa. millions and millions and millions of dollars from this. I mean, she's already made millions from the album alone. She's going to make several more millions from the, the the stadium tour and then any like live album she might put out. And then I think she's going to get married. I think or I not get married. I think she's already married to Joe Alwyn, right? Are they married? No, they're married? Married. just long-term partners. Just long-term. So I think they're going to either get married or continue being partners, whatever. They're going to have a kid. Yeah. They're going to, you know, do whatever. And then in five years, she's going to show up with a toddler and be like, hi, I'm back. Yeah. And then yeah. she'll do like a Vampire Weekend style, that album they made. Like when they Molly came back and Ezra Koenig yeah. was yeah. like, I'm a dad now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I that That is what I think the trajectory of this album is, is to just make as much money as humanly fucking possible so she can disappear <laughs> yeah. for as long as she wants uh, and then reemerge with a mommy album. Yeah. 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 A mommy album, a divorce album. Yes. Oh, divorce <laughs> albums are hit or miss though. Like Adele. Yeah. That mm. one was weird. Did y'all ever yeah. listen yeah. to that? There's a song in that track where she's literally talking to her kid about her divorce, and it's the kid sounds like Peppa Pig, and it's really fucking weird. She's like, Daddy and I can't live together anymore. And the kid's like, Why? And it's like 20 years from now, that kid's gonna really need to unpack this track. This is really weird. Is the kid royalties from that, do you think? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. 
you remember when Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow divorced and then he was like, you want to be on a, you want to be on a track on my next album and we can unpack our divorce together. (laughs) That was so wild. That was so wild. I don't think I was aware of that. (laughs) It was pretty, that, that was like, that's like in the, the Coldplay wilderness as I've started calling it, where like the albums, I stopped liking the albums. They just kept coming. Everything after Milo Xylozo, I'm like, huh? Yeah, exactly. And then they just kept coming out and then I'll like blink and wake up and it'll be like, did you know Chris Martin had BTS on a track? And I'm like, stop, stop. I'm just going to go back to sleep. It's like, it's like Fortnite level collabs at this point. Like on the next Coldplay, yeah. Holy Pitchfork shit! breaking. Rick and Morty are in the new Coldplay <laughs> album. Like, stop! I can't. I can't do it anymore. Fucking Christ! Uh, yeah. I love video games. I love video <laughs> games. Uh, I love video games too. Yeah. Uh, that's. Does anybody else have anything to say about Taylor Swift's Midnights, or uh, should we should we end the show? Should, we um, should probably put a pin in it. Okay. I think yeah. in order to have the last word, I think my final thought is that AJ, like you said, what makes reputation work is that it's earnest and it's Taylor knows she's being kind of cringe by saying, look what you made me do and mm-hmm. that kind of shit. And then I think that earnestness kind of carries into Lover, except it's a cringe album and I don't like it. Um <laughs> And because like there's a whole earnest song in there about how much she likes British boys. So I'm right. like, stop, stop, yeah. stop right there. I'm getting off the bus. Getting yeah. off the bus. Yeah. But then like like folklore and evermore, very earnest. Mm-hmm. This album is sorta earnest, sorta not, and I think it's fine. So that's yeah. my final that's my final thought. <laughs> Beautiful. Kim, do you have any closing thoughts on this album? This, I, was, this was you, your baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you said it's fine, that really spoke to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. okay. I also agree that's it's exactly fine. It. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Tori and Noah, thank you both so much for coming on the show and maybe helping us make one of our most experimental products to date. Absolutely. Uh, thank you go. so there much. This is the reputation of <laughs> Yes. If there's anything the two of us are good at, it's derailing something that has an established form. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we love that. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Do you want to give us a, a, another quick pitch for Press Start? Tell us where they can find you online as that gets harder and harder. <laughs> yeah. So you can find Noah and I both at Twitter on Twitter. Um, I'm at Tori underscore as underscore always. And Noah's at Noah underscore hurts. H U T R S. Like he is in pain. Nope. Nope. H U R T S. You almost had it. Almost had it. And then you can find almost us on our podcast on Twitter at press underscore start pod. That is one word. And Noah, want to take the rest? Yeah, I think that's I, honestly. I think you you hit pretty much everything. Like we said at the beginning, we we cover gaming news. We cover. I think we have an especial focus on uh, labor issues in the industry and stuff that is incredibly upsetting to listen to. <laughs> and we also kind of talk at length about what we're playing. We bring guests on the show and all kinds of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it's a it's a good time. We didn't exactly talk as much about video games this episode <laughs> as we typically do, but you know we use the we use playing as a very loose verb over on our side too. So yeah, give us we're we're available wherever podcasts live, and I'm sure there's links to it in the description too. Yeah. So you got uh, you got a Mastodon yet? You on the Fediverse? Not on Mastodon. <laughs> no, I'm on co-host, mm. uh, and I'm not sure how long I'll be on co-host, but I I kind of like its vibes. Uh, Tori, have you have you moved over to any different social medias yet? Or I reactivated my Instagram. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I post stories on there. Nice. And it's just huh. it's nice. I don't have to be yeah. like witty or like try. Yes. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. I just like post a picture of my cat and it's like what? Like, you know, yeah. that's just yeah. 
low effort I did, posting. I did save the same URL we use for Twitter, but as a Tumblr blog, but I haven't done anything with it for the show yet. So nice. I don't know if, if you want Maybe. that key, Tori, you could have it. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if we'll you want the key to that kingdom, it's all yours. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, links to Tori Noah and Press Start stuff will all be in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you, as always, to Scout Wilkinson for making our spectacular cover art. Uh, I love looking at it, and I will just keep saying that until I come up with something more interesting to say about it in the future. <laughs> Thank you also to Amaranthon for our intro and outro music. Uh, they are a joy to work with. You should check out his stuff. Both of their links are in the show notes below. If you would like to join the community Discord, the worstgarbage.online link is at the bottom of the show notes. Actually, it's not at the bottom of the show notes anymore because the bottom of the show notes now has a list of all the chapter markers in the show. So if you don't, if your podcatcher does not uh, in embed the chapter markers into your player you can actually check the show notes and you can skip around that way i should have said that at the beginning but i didn't but there it is so anyway right before the chapters you can find the worst garbage dot online that'll take you to a list of all the shows on the network as well as a link to the community discord the show is on twitter at async pod is also on tumblr at async pod i am on twitter at aj Falari and tumblr at not aj Falari. I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at Okimmies. Uh, and that's going to do it for us today. Tori and Noah, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having of us. Of course. Thank you. Uh, and Kim, what are your final words for us today? Um, just remember that your music should always match the mood of the horse and rider pair. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'll see, see you next week, everybody. Bye. Um, I'm sorry, Ringo is so active right now. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it's what it's podcast you, what time. Are you doing? Yeah, he's excited. Yeah, about dressage. Um, I should train him to do that. Anyway, oh my God. Uh, is it possible to train a dog? It's to gotta dressage? be right. It's gotta be. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be riding him. He's 12 pounds, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you can learn agility training, you can learn dressage. It's basically the same thing. For sure. Um... (laughs)